This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. As states like Texas roll back people's reproductive rights, and specifically the right to an abortion, a new report by the Alliance State Advocates for Women's Rights and Gender Equality hones in on a little-known but pernicious front in the abortion battle. Anti-abortion groups for years have funded so-called crisis pregnancy centers, or CPCs. These are benign-looking storefront approximations of clinics that lure people in who suspect they might be pregnant and instead push on them anti-abortion religious ideology. The study focused on nine states and found that many of these CPCs receive public funding with little to no government oversight. Joining me now is Jennifer McKenna. She is the program director of the Alliance State Advocates for Women's Right and Gender Equality and director of the CPC project there. She's also the co-author of the report Designed to Deceive, a study of the crisis pregnancy center industry in nine states. So first, let me ask you, Jennifer, what is a crisis pregnancy center? So first, thank you for having me, Sonali, and and covering this really important issue. Um, So crisis pregnancy centers are fake clinics that target pregnant people with deceptive marketing and predatory practices to prevent them from accessing abortion and contraception and convert them to evangelical Christianity. Uh, They use three primary tactics generally to keep people from accessing abortion, deception, disinformation, and delay. They brand themselves as pregnancy resource centers, um, but increasingly masquerade as medical clinics. They are not licensed medical clinics, most of them. Um, They are political religious organizations, um, and they operate without government oversight, regulation, or consumer protections. What are the states in which you did your study? And the part that surprised me the most was that they receive public funding. So if you can explain that a little bit. Yes. um, The Alliance conducted um, sort of a two-year investigation into crisis pregnancy centers Um, the practices and their services uh, in nine states in which we, um, the organizations in the Alliance operate. Um, uh, The five Northwest states, um, Alaska, Idaho, Montana, Washington, and Oregon, California, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota. Um, Two of those states, Minnesota and Pennsylvania, directly fund CPCs with state state public funds. and that's part of a, landscape, a bigger landscape in the country in which 29 states actually are diverting public funds to CPCs, 14 directly funding them with state contracts. Um, and, you know, sort of while, you know, as, as, you, as you mentioned in your introduction, you're sort of facing this um, landscape in, the, in this country now as we anticipate the Supreme Court will gut or overturn Roe, um, that will leave 29 states with hostile abortion laws after Roe, um, and five more states at risk, and only 15 states and the District of Columbia sure to to protect abortion should Roe fall. Um, And while all eyes have been on states passing extreme abortion bans and restrictions in anticipation of losing Roe, um, anti-abortion politicians have been advancing this second strategy mostly under the radar, which is advancing crisis pregnancy centers increasingly on the public dime. Um, And they are um, 
in fact, the uh, Associated Press did an investigation recently that tracked um, spending in a dozen states and found that 89 million has been allocated by states for Christian CPCs this year, up from 17 million a decade ago. Um, and I would note that the politicians who are diverting public funds to CPCs with no accountability, remember, um, are doing so despite investigations showing misuse, waste, and potential skimming of funds by CPCs in Texas, Florida, Michigan, Minnesota, and Pennsylvania, and other states. Um, and as a result, what one of the things that's critical to understand is that this strategy of diverting public funds to expand CPC networks has us now in a situation in this country where CPCs outnumber abortion clinics nationwide by more than three to one. And in states that fund them, CPCs dwarf abortion clinics. In Minnesota, for example, CPCs outnumber abortion clinics by 11 to one. So the network of women's health clinics providing evidence-based reproductive health care, including abortion, is precipitously diminishing. In this decade after row, we had close to 3,000 healthcare facilities providing abortion care. Now they're fewer than 780. And obviously, should Roe be gutted or overturned, many more clinics will close. And we have whole states with only one clinic at this point. And at the same time, the network of anti-abortion, anti-contraception, anti-LGBTQ rights CPCs is expanding. And there are now over 2,500 CPCs, some say as many as 4,000 across the country. So we're seeing real options for reproductive health care replaced by this network of political, religious crisis pregnancy centers. What, one of the things that struck me was how these centers use the idea that they might actually offer medical care for people who walk in and, you know, they even use ultrasound machines. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about the sort of medical deception involved? Yeah, so we, um, in, in our study of 607 CPCs operating in nine states, we, we found, so we just took away six main findings. Um, one was that the vast majority of services offered by CPCs serve no medical purpose. Well, three most common findings were, uh, a few most common offerings um, by CPCs were urine stick pregnancy tests, which you can get over the counter, um, material goods like diapers and maternity clothes, and peer counseling about pregnancy options. Um, the three least common services offered by zero to 5% of CPCs were prenatal care, reproductive wellness care, and contraception. 95% of CPCs offered no prenatal care. Fewer than half even made referrals. Only one of those 607 CPCs offered contraception. And while medical services comprised the smallest percentage of CPC services offered, CPCs used deceptive marketing to signal that they were health clinics, clinical language on their websites, pictures of people in white coats with stethoscopes. And all this, as you, as you noted, they're offering free ultrasounds, which they call non-diagnostic or limited or limited obstetric ultrasounds, whose real purpose is not medical, but to persuade people to carry the term. Um, so there's no way of knowing whether people administering these ultrasounds are licensed in any way. We have to assume most of them are not because most CPC, um, you know, CPCs are staffed by volunteers. 
Um, and so that's it. That, and that provision of that offering of free ultrasounds is an increasing trend, it seems, in CPCs. We found over half of the CPCs in the studies that we did are offering these ultrasounds. And there are large anti-abortion organizations that are equipping CPCs with ultrasounds, providing them messaging, providing them training um, about sort of how to use them to get people in the door, pregnant people in the door, and how to use them to sort of signal medical legitimacy, um, and how to use them to, um, you know, con confer uh, personhood, essentially, on, you know, on the, the embryo. Um, We've also heard, you know, many reports, um, anecdotal reports by people um, who've been to CPCs because they were advertised free ultrasounds, uh, free pregnancy tests and free ultrasounds, um, and also advertised that they were non-biased providers of comprehensive information um, and options, which they clearly are not, they're anti-abortion organizations. Um, so people have reported going to CPCs, um, having an ultrasound scheduled when, before they went, showing up, and then being told that the CPC, that the ultrasound was postponed. Uh, they couldn't do the ultrasound for two or three weeks um, because they want to make sure that people hear the heartbeat, quote unquote. Um, we've also heard reports of people who have had a history of ectopic pregnancies going to a CPC for an ultrasound because that's they're concerned that they may have a second uh, ectopic pregnancy um, and being, you know, not, not being provided the, C the ultrasound in a timely way. Um, again, because the point of their providing ultrasounds is because they want to persuade people to carry the term, not because um, they're providing a medical service of some sort. Um, and I think that the, it's really a murky area in which they're operating. Um, because obviously most people go into a CPC that's offering an ultrasound, assuming, believing that it's actually a legitimate healthcare service. Why wouldn't they think that? Um, there was one report from a woman in California um, who had been to a CPC uh, and left with, and had an ultrasound there and left with the sonogram, you know, the photo, um, in which the CPC volunteer had drawn an arrow, um, you know, in the picture pointing to what was supposedly the embryo of the zygote in her uterus with baby or high baby, you know, written on the, on the sonogram. Um, this woman turned out to have had an ectopic pregnancy. She walked around with an ectopic pregnancy for a couple of weeks, was uncomfortable, but believed that this ultrasound showed that she had a healthy pregnancy. And then the ectopic pregnancy ruptured and she went to an emergency room and she lost a fallopian tube. She almost died. Um, and her story came to us actually via Facebook. Um, an emergency room nurse who treated her um, sent the message out to Facebook to other medical professionals she knew who were Facebook friends to say, watch out for this. This woman went to one of these crisis pregnancy centers and that's where she got her ultrasound. And this is where she ended up. I've had an ectopic pregnancy and nearly died um, from and, and lost a fallopian tube. I mean, uh, and, and after that, getting pregnant 
was terrifying for me as well. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I think the other things I think that are, that are important to note that we found or that are related to this is that, um, again, not only were um, most CPCs not providing actual healthcare services pregnant people need, most trafficked medical disinformation. About two thirds of the CPCs in our study promoted patently false and biased medical claims especially about the efficacy and safety of abortion and contraception. Um, and a lot of messaging undermining trust in uh, and demonizing abortion providers. Um, and they typically use deceptive advertising. It seems to be a, an industry-wide practice, um, falsely claiming they have no agenda and provide full and unbiased information, disguising them that they don't provide abortion or refer for abortion. Um, and 10% of the clinics in our study operated mobile units that can locate near abortion clinics to confuse and intercept their patients, mimic the signage of the actual women's health clinic. Um, and we also found that the state-funded CPCs in Minnesota and Pennsylvania actually engaged in more the, the most harmful sort of practices of CPCs um, at a greater rate than the privately funded CPCs. We found that the state-funded CPCs promoted the uh, quest, certainly quest, ethnically questionable and, and probably um, uh, dangerous abortion pill reversal intervention, which CPCs and the anti-abortion movement um, claim that uh, a high-dose progesterone intervention can stop or reverse a medication abortion that has started. Um, so state-funded CPCs, CPCs promoted abortion pill reversal more often and offered prenatal care and prenatal care referral less often than CPCs without state funding. Um, CPCs are, you know, by the, their branding is about care, you know, caring about pregnant people and providing supports for pregnant people so they can carry, you know, carry their babies to term. Um, yet they offer virtually no prenatal care or and more than half don't even bother to refer people to prenatal care. How do CPCs target Black women? This is a really fascinating part of your report that I was shocked by. So it's, CPCs are increasingly targeting Black women specifically um, and women of color more generally um, using imagery, um, you know, photos on their websites of people of color and black women in particular and black families in particular. Um, and they, uh, and they are, there's actually a, a program um, and sort of an urban initiative, I think they call it, um, that's been sponsored and promoted by, um, by two of the large anti-abortion groups that sort of steer the CPC industry um, that uh, has provided sort of strategies and online content um, for individual CPCs to use in, you know, reaching, appealing to um, people of color um, and particularly black women. Um, and there, that movement, that urgent uh, urban initiative has also been sort of aimed at opening more CPCs, expanding the CPC presence, literally in urban communities. They have a, a, a larger presence in rural communities around the country at this point, um, where reproductive health care access is even more limited 
than in urban areas um, where it's also decreasing. Um, given that CPCs are really, really targeting people with few, few resources who are looking for free services, um, because they can get them in the door more easily by offering free services. Um, and the and the CPC movement has been um, looking to explicitly expand in urban communities where um, people of color are concentrated, um, and also appropriating civil rights language, genocide language, um, language of choice, uh, using a, a number of strategies to um, to try to reach and draw in um, people of color who have at this point higher, at least recorded and reported um, rates of abortion than um, urban white folks at any rate. Why aren't CPCs getting more attention, more coverage? Why isn't the media covering it? Why aren't lawmakers, you know, especially given that there's public funding, um, concerned about this issue, why are they so under the radar? Yeah, I think um, they have, the, the CPC industry has intentfully uh, operated under the radar. And I believe anti-abortion politicians who have been, you know, diverting public funds to CPCs have been working to do that under the radar as well. Um, and I mean, the, the CPC industry accomplishes this by, you know, with branding that is, you know, a bit relatively benign, you know, that communicates that they're benign, nice people trying to help, you know, uh, pregnant people facing um, unintended pregnancies and provide them support. They're the individual CPCs are largely run by women and women are the public face of the CPCs and they sort of promote a soft image. There's a lot of, you know, pink on many of the CPC websites. Um, when in fact, it is the case that many CPCs, arguably most CPCs, half in our study, are directly affiliated with um, large anti-abortion organizations that are run by, um, by men. Um, men are in the leadership. They're white, generally white evangelical Christian um, men who run the large anti-abortion groups that steer the CPC industry. Um, but the public face of the CPC industry are these local, um, you know, community-based uh, centers um, that, you know, present themselves as resources for, for pregnant people who care about pregnant people. But then you look at what they actually do and that you know, that belies what they say about what they do. Um, I, I, I don't know, I can't really speak to um, why, you know, progressive pro-choice um, policymakers uh, have not paid more attention to what's been happening in, at the state level in terms of expansion of CPCs. Um, you know, it, it, it may in part be a function of the fact that it is Republican dominated states where, you know, the, the, the highest concentration of public funding um, is happening with CPC, in CPCs. And so, you know, progressive and pro-choice um, legislators and, you know, and government leaders 
don't have much of a platform to, they may speak out, but there's not much they can do to actually intercept and stop what's happening. So um, what, what do you recommend in your report that needs to be done about this? Yes, um, we, we actually laid out um, a whole range of state policy recommendations um, in our report. And uh, just so your, your viewers uh, and listeners know, um, you can see a report designed to deceive and various um, accompanying resources about CPCs um, on our website, which is alliancestateadvocates.org, um, and uh, including the, re the recommendations, the sort of granular recommendations that we um, came up with. Um, and, they, and, and the recommendations are, you know, are, are directed at state policy, pro-choice state policymakers in you know, blue and purple states that could actually do something about this in, in, the, in the near term. Um, uh, and they, they're in categories. I mean, we, state policymakers need to um, take action to protect CPC clients and pregnant people seeking healthcare in general. Um, and promote transparency and best practices in publicly funded programs. The fact that CPCs are in, in Minnesota, for example, and Pennsylvania, which have mixed leadership, political leadership, are still getting state funding without having to be accountable for how they spend that money at all, is just inexcusable. Um, those states that could take action need to um, require uh, those CPCs receiving, receiving public funds to report uh, often and fully about how they're spending their money um, so that you know, everyone knows. Um, and, um, and require them also to provide um, her state funding. If state funding is gonna go to CPCs, but it also be made available to other organizations that don't have anti-abortion agendas that are providing support for healthy pregnancy and parenting. Um, and, very significantly, um, state policymakers have to address sort of the deepening gaps in maternal and reproductive health care that are the sort of the context in which CPCs exploit, you know, pregnant people. Um, they're mounting obstacles to healthcare experience by low-income pregnant and, par and parenting people. Um, and CPCs, you know, sort of set themselves up and say, we provide these free services, come here. And people often have no place else to go. Um, and many people, according to scholarly studies, many people who go to CPCs, in fact, most, um, actually plan to carry a term. They just need the free diapers, or they need the free pregnancy test, or they, need, they want the free ultrasound. Um, and they know what they're getting into, and that they're going to have to subject themselves to this anti-abortion agenda, and they just have to subject themselves to it because it's the only free resource available to them in the community. That's a national shame that we've reached that point in this country. Um, so, and then obviously at this point, given what's happening with, um, we haven't talked about this yet, um, CPC is collecting uh, massive amounts of data on pregnant people right. With, right, with no privacy protections. State policymakers and federal policymakers need to really create, you know, robust digital privacy protections for, you know, for people seeking healthcare services of pregnant people seeking services um, in you know organizations that are not covered by medical you know medical privacy laws, which is what CPCs are. You know they are um, not licensed healthcare facilities, so they're not subject 
to medical privacy laws. Um, and pregnant people share their information when they go into CPCs, believing it'll be kept confidential under medical privacy laws. And why wouldn't they? I mean, CPCs, CPC volunteers wear white lab coats uh, with you know, stethoscopes around their necks, um, offer ultrasounds. Many CPC websites make assurances that they're keeping client information confidential. Um, and certainly when CPCs, when people go to CPCs and share their information, they likely don't realize that their local CPC is affiliated with an anti-abortion group and that that, that CPC collects their da data and, and sends that data to national, national um, centralized mega database that's held by the anti-abortion movement. Um, that's, you know, really alarming. Um, and again, with no pregnancy, with no um, privacy protections because CPCs are nonprofits. They don't charge for services. Um, and, uh, and as a result, they are not governed under most consumer protection laws or any of the, um, you know, uh, healthcare privacy um, protection laws. Um, so they're on the one hand masquerading as healthcare providers, but not governed by any of the protections that an actual licensed healthcare um, facility would be governed by. Uh, and that's one of the ways they're deceiving um, pregnant people who come for help. I want to thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer McKenna. We'll post a link to the report from our website so that our audience can find it themselves. Best of luck to you. My guest has been Jennifer McKenna. She is the co-author of the report designed to deceive a study of the crisis pregnancy center industry in nine states. She is also program director at the Alliance State Advocates for Women's Rights and Gender Equality. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com. By becoming a subscriber, find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.